I don't know how that turned out to be yellow, but I can see it. I hope you can. If you'll turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2, we'll uh, pick up there in just a few minutes. We're thankful that you're here. Glad to have guests among us. Honored that you've come. Welcome you and hope you'll come back. Uh, as you're finding James chapter 2, I remind our young people, meet me right up here this evening at 5 o'clock for our kids' connection, getting started in a whole new uh, section of memory work. We're memorizing the uh, Beatitudes. There are some of these uh, laying out. I don't know who, I don't, I don't know who uh, laminated uh, uh, some of these and laid them in, but I appreciate it. I really do because I intended to have them laminated, and when I saw what it was going to cost for me to have them laminated, my pocketbook wouldn't handle it, and I said, forget that. So you're not getting a laminated one from me. Whoever did this, they put in some money on it. But uh, I've got a few laminated ones there in the pew of me. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, every adult, every kid needs to pick one up, begin memorizing. I think we're on, the, we're on the second one tonight from the fourth verse, at least in the children's class we are. Last week uh, we had a guest speaker, but we're going to catch up tonight. But you're on uh, Blessed Are They That Mourn. Doesn't that seem strange? Blessed is the man who's sad. Blessed is the man who's unhappy. Blessed is the man who's grievous. What did our Lord mean by that? What did he mean? You come find out. Meet us right here at 5 o'clock. Hey, there's one more announcement in the bulletin that I want to make sure you, you kind of got a grasp on. I'll talk more about it as it gets closer. But on October the 15th, October the 15th, that's a Tuesday. That's a Tuesday. Uh, we're having a senior ministry reunion uh, gathering at the camp uh, at 1030 that morning. We're going to meet. Brother Charles Bain is going to deliver us a devotional message. And then uh, we'll visit for a while and make announcements. And we'll eat a good, have a good lunch together. You're probably going to be out by 1230. Uh, if you're if you're like you are around here, you know you're gonna eat and eat and run, but you can stay till two or three or four o'clock, however long you want to stay and visit. You're welcome to do that. But if you choose, you're probably gonna be out by 12:30. So about give us about 10:30 to 12:30, and we say it's a senior ministry gathering. Uh, we do this over at the Greenbrier Building. The Greenbrier Congregation does it uh, every first and third. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, in fact, if you would like to go with me the first Tuesday in October, that'll be October the 1st, I think it is. Uh, I lead, I'm leading the discussion from the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're up to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. If, you want, if, if you'd like to go with me, we'd love to have you go. But they're going to be in charge, they're kind of in charge of all of this, and uh, uh, we're, we're inviting other congregations, so you'll get to meet uh, people you know, uh, with similar interests and things on uh, October the 15th. Just put it on your calendar. Come enjoy a morning with us, 10.30 to, uh, you know, 12.30 or so. Uh, you can take a couple hours and just come be with us. We say it's senior ministry. Hey, we hadn't kicked anyone out yet. If you're younger than 100, uh, you know, you're welcome to come. Uh, but you know what senior ministry is, too. It's kind of directed more toward uh, that age group of, uh, of retirees and up into, up into that age. Uh, but we'd love to have you come and be with us on that date. 
Let's study from God's word. As we do, let's remember. We're asking God to teach us. It's not in man's steps. It's not in, it's not in man to direct his own steps. Have you found that to be true in your own life? We need the guidance from God. God, help us to understand your will. Help us to understand our purpose. Help us to understand. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to be looking at James chapter 2. We're going to be beginning, be beginning in verse number 14. But as we begin, let me remind you, faith is so important. It's so important. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11 verse 1 said, defining faith, if you want to think about that, telling us what faith is going to do as he leads up to a chapter of people who lived by faith. He said, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And everyone in that chapter hoped for, hoped for, hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And the Hebrew writer will say, these all died in faith having not seen, not received the promise. They never saw it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. He'll say then in verse number 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. Faith is critical. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Whosoever comes to Him must believe that he is and and believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then you have that great faith chapter of those people who lived by faith, who not just only believed God was, that God existed, God is, but that he'd reward them because they diligently sought him. Men like Abel and Noah... Abraham, women like Sarah, Moses, all of those. They believed God existed. They believed God is. But they also believed that God would reward them because they diligently, diligently sought Him, sought His will, sought His purpose for their lives. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, it's always been been a system of faith, folks. It never was about the law. Yes, the law was given and they were instructed to keep the law. But they were to keep the law by faith. They were instructed to keep the law. It's not just rote. It's not just don't do this. Do this. It's faith. It's faith. That's true under the Old Covenant. It's true under the New Covenant. Apostle Paul would join those together and will say in Romans 5 verse 1, well, we're justified by faith. We are. He begins that great Roman letter by saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Listen now. To all them that believe. Well, what about those that don't believe? It's not. That's the salvation that's available through the gospel is not for them. It's only for them that believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But even those of us who are believers, we need to understand there are different kinds of faith. Some of them pleasing to God. Some of them not. In this section, in this section, God through His 
inspired writer mentions three kinds of faith. He mentions a dead faith, a demonic faith, and a dynamic faith. Now, which one do you suppose he's pleased with? Well, let's just look. Beginning in James chapter 2, verse number 14, the first one he mentions is this dead faith. He says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and he has not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things that are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. Show me your faith. Without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. He talks about a dead faith. Now understand, this faith says, I believe. I have faith. He, he, it even says it there. Uh, what does it profit, brethren, though a man say, I have faith. I've got faith. But this dead faith has no works. It does nothing. It does nothing. The illustration he uses is, is a simple one. Kind of connected, I think, I think, kind of connected to what he says earlier in this chapter about showing favoritism. That there's a man who's naked and he's destitute of daily food. He's hungry. He needs clothing. And he comes to you and he says, help me. And you say, oh, bless your heart. I hope you stay warm. I hope you find some food. But you do nothing. You do nothing. He says, what does that profit? It doesn't profit him anything. And guess what? It doesn't profit you anything. Because that faith, because it has no works, that faith is dead. Dead faith. Look, if you, if you drop back over, it's a shame that we separate these things, we separate these, these concepts and ideas with chapters and verses. It's a, it's a shame. This was a letter. And I'm thankful I can say, now look over into chapter 1. Because look over into chapter 1. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm glad we can say that. But it's a shame that we can't seem to separate it in our minds. That, that, that we recognize, hey, this was a letter. Look back over to chapter 1. Look at verse 22. I'm going to start in 21. Wherefore. Now, wherefore means it's connected to that above. So you, you could spend time reading that. I'm just beginning in 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And some say, some think, well, that's all. All Christianity is, is, is not doing bad. And it involves that. Lay apart all filthiness and all overflowing wickedness. Yes, do that. 
And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But listen, folks, a fence post don't steal. A fence post doesn't lie. A fence post doesn't cuss. A fence post does nothing. It's just a post. And a Christian, no, we don't lie. Well, I don't lie. I'm a Christian. I don't steal. I'm a Christian. I don't cuss. I'm a Christian. Yes, but you do. You do anything good. If you don't, it's dead faith. If you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, let God speak to you from his word. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But, verse 22, the very next verse, but be ye doers of that word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. God says, You receive that word. You receive that word. But you don't do it. You don't do it. You're deceiving yourselves. You think you've received that word, which is to the saving of your soul. You've just deceived yourself. And then he goes to chapter 2. Really, he's never stopped. In chapter one, he, 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 in chapter two, verse number one, he gives an example of, of the kind of faith he's, that's expected out of us. It's the kind of faith that doesn't show favoritism. It doesn't show favoritism. He says it's, you know, a rich man comes into your services and you say, oh, come on up here, sit down with me. And everyone's glad that they're here. But let a poor man come in. And you say, oh, well, if you'll be good and sit over here in the corner and keep quiet, we'll let you worship with us. Yeah, oh, we'd never do that. Do you show favoritism? You need to look inside yourself. Do you show favoritism? Because if you do, James, God, through his writer says, you commit sin. You commit sin. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. You commit sin. You set yourself up as judge. And there's only one judge, isn't there? There's only one judge. And he says, and and, and so, hey, the kind of faith that saves is not this dead faith. This faith that says, well, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. It's all talk. No action. All talk, no action. It's never going to save you. It cannot save. It cannot save. God, through his writer, writes it as a question. But to answer the 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 question is drawn out by asking the question, can that faith save? Well, of course not. It's never going to save us. And so the first kind of faith that's mentioned here in James chapter 2 is dead faith. It's dead faith. It says, I have faith. I have faith. But it doesn't have any works. It doesn't have any works. And it cannot save. The second kind of faith is demonic faith. 
demonic faith. Look in uh, verse number 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Demonic faith is dead faith. The demons, the demons believe. The de- Listen, when it comes to the devils, when it comes to the demons, there are no atheists. The demons believe. And the demons tremble. But are the demons going to do the will of God? Are the demons going to do the work of the Lord? No. No. And because it's not, they're, they're not doing this work, even their faith, even though they believe, even though they tremble, their faith is dead. Dead. You say, well, I can tell you this. I don't have the faith of the demons. Well, do you believe? Yeah, I'm a believer. Do you do the work? Do you do what the will of God, what the word of God says do? If you don't, you've got the faith of the demons. Faith without works is dead. Is the demon's faith dead? It's dead. And if we are going to do the same thing the demons did, accept the same reward the demons will expect and will receive. It's dead faith. Demonic faith. And the last faith is that dynamic faith. It's the faith that works. Read, read about it. He gives two examples. We'll read down through it. Then we'll come back. We'll pick up on this. Here, we're beginning now in verse 21. Listen to this dynamic faith. This working faith. The kind of faith that when God talks about, I'll justify you because of your faith. This is the kind he's talking about. When he's talking about, I'll count you as Righteous. You're not righteous, but I'll count you as righteous because of your faith. This is the kind of faith he's talking about, folks. You'll see it. You'll pick up on it. 21 now. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he had offered Isaac his own son upon the altar? You remember that. You remember that, Genesis chapter 15? You remember that, don't you? God says, Abraham, I want you to offer your son, your only son, Isaac, up on a mountain. And what did Abraham do? Nothing. Nothing? Would Abraham have been justified had he have done nothing? No, the Lord told him to do something, didn't he? So what did Abraham do? He got the wood together, he got the knife, he got the boy, and he headed toward the mountain. When he gets to the mountain, what does he do? Nothing. Would he have been justified had he stayed at the foot of that mountain? No. He'd been given instructions. He'd been told what to do. So what does he do? He goes up on that mountain. Even when his son said, Father, you got the fire, we got the wood... But where's the sacrifice? Abraham didn't change his mind, did he? 
He's going to sacrifice, right? The Lord will provide. He builds an altar, puts the wood on the altar, ties the boy, and he draws that knife to take his son's life. In his heart, he had sacrificed that son, hadn't he? Just like God had told him to do. And God said, don't harm him, because I know now that you'll not hold anything back from me. What are you holding back? What are you holding back from God? You know what he's instructed you to do. You know. We're, we're, we're people of faith. We say we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, really? Oh, really? Then what are we holding back? What are we saying? Okay. Oh, oh but I'm not doing that. Now, I'm not doing that. That's asking too much of me, Lord. Really? Really? Ask Abraham. Is that asking too much? No, if the Lord said it, then that's what ought to be done. Don't you agree? He's Lord. He's Lord. Abraham, you see, was justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith coupled or wrought with his works was what was coupled with his works and by works his faith was made perfect? Well, you know what? Faith without works is dead. But faith coupled with works, that's perfect. That's complete. That's mature. That's what God wants. But faith, but by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God. Abraham, could Abraham say, I believe? I'm a believer. Could he say it? Yes, he could. But was his works dead? Was that the extent of it? I believe? No. Abraham's I believe was coupled with, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And doing it. Was coupled, linked with his works. And so the scripture's telling you the truth. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Was Abraham righteous? No, he lied on at least two occasions. He wasn't perfect. He made all kinds of mistakes, I'm sure. He was a father. Do fathers make mistakes? He made all kinds of mistakes, I'm sure. But God counted him as righteous. Why? Because he believed? Yes. Because that's all he did? No. Because he believed and it caused him, it manifested itself in obedience, in works of obedience to the Father. And so God counted him for righteous, righteousness and he called him his friend. Abraham is called the friend of God. You see then, verse 24, you see then how that by works a man's justified and not by faith only? He gives a second example, 25. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot. Rahab, you remember Rahab. Joshua now has become the leader of the Israelites. 
they're getting ready to cross over a swollen Jordan River, swollen by floods, and, and, and some spies are sent out. This is the second time. The first time spies are sent out, they come back, you know, ten of them with an evil report. This is, the, this is the, after the 40 years of wandering, now some more spies are sent out. These spies enter into the city of Jericho, spying it out. And word comes to the leadership of Jericho. There's some of those Israelites in this city spying us out. Someone says, I think I saw him go into Rahab's house. You remember what Rahab said when the spies came in? She said, hide. Hide under those sheaves of grain up on my roof until they're gone. And after they were gone, she said to those spies, our hearts melted because we know you, you folks serve the one true God. Our hearts melted within us. When you come, when you come, have mercy. Have mercy. And she sent them out by a different way. This is the Rahab. Was not, likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by faith? Or justified by works, excuse me. Justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead also. We got these great examples. Abraham. Abraham. And Rahab. And you couldn't find any more different. I mean, they're on either end of the spectrum, aren't they? Abraham is a Jew. He's the father of the Jews. Rahab is a Canaanite. She's a Gentile. She's on the other side of the spectrum. But Abraham was justified by faith when he worked. When that faith produced the works God intended in his life, Rahab was justified by faith when that faith produced the works that was expected of God in her, a Jew and a Gentile. Abraham is referred to as a friend of God. Who was, who was Rahab? She's a Canaanite, right? She's, an, she's among the enemies of the children of God. As far apart as you can. But folks, they're both justified by faith. Justified by faith. But both of them are justified by faith that produced works. It wasn't dead. It produced works. Faith that produced works. Yet Abraham, he's depicted in the scripture with, all, with his flaws, he's still depicted as pure and good. I mean, God chose him from among a nation of, of idol worshipers. Joshua will mention this at the end of his life. And say, you know, you'll choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the God of your fathers from before the flood. They were, they were idol worshipers. But Abraham believed in the true God. He's depicted as good and pure. What's, her, what's Rahab depicted as? What is she? I mean, even James, the writer, 
wants to be sure you know who, who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Rahab. And how did he describe her? She's a harlot. She's a prostitute of loose morals. But she was justified by faith. It's like, like Abraham was. They're justified by faith. But they're also justified by works. By works. Because the faith they had was not dead faith. The faith they had was a working and an active faith. The kind of faith that will save. The dead faith cannot save you. It will not save you. Wouldn't it be a shame to deceive yourself into thinking, heaven is mine, I believe. And to get to the judgment and to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged according to the things which you didn't do. No, that's not the way it reads, is not To be judged according to the things which we have done in this body, whether they be good, whether they be evil. And have gone through life deceiving ourselves, deceiving ourselves, deceiving ourselves. Into thinking, I'm fine with God. I'm fine with God. Only to hear. Only to hear. I never knew you. I never knew you. We all want to hear, don't we? Well done, thou good and faithful, do nothing. Is that what you expect to hear? No. What did Jesus say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? What's the implication? What do servants do? What makes one a servant? A servant serves. A servant works. A servant has a live faith. An active faith. That's what, that's what it has. But they were justified by works. And so let's don't be deceived. Let's don't be deceived. There are different kinds of faith. Two of them are dead. Two of them are dead. Although both of them say, well, I have faith. I have faith. They're both dead. Dead faith, demonic faith, they're the same thing. They're the same thing. We want to be the people who have the active faith. Now again, I want to take you back to chapter 1. For, and we're, we're through. We're, we're finished. Take you back to chapter 1. Remember, we read from uh, verse 21 and 22. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But this word, this faith, which is based upon this word, is a live faith that's going to save. It's not dead, it's a live faith. Be ye, but be ye doers of the word, and not just hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, that would be dead faith, right? If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who beholds his face in a mirror. He beholds himself, he looks at himself, and he leaves. 
He goes away and he forgets the corrections that need to be made. But whoso, here's your verse though. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, he being not a forgetful hearer, he doesn't have dead faith. He not being not a forgetful hearer, listen to this phrase, but a doer of the what? I'm going to wait. But a doer of the what? Doer of the work. When you read that word, you're reading about the work that God has in mind for you and the work that God has in mind for me. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man is blessed in his deeds. Who's blessed in his deeds, James? Father, who's blessed in his... Who, who are you going to bless? The, the uh, man with faith? And that's it? The man with faith? And it, it causes nothing? No, nothing? No. Never. Never. That faith cannot save, God says. It cannot save. Father, who are you going to bless? The man who's not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the work. This man, this man is blessed in his deeds. And so we want to be a doer of the work. A doer of the work. And, and that encompasses a lot of things, uh, several things. And it's not just limited to evangelism, folks. It's not just limited to evangelism. But let me ask you this. Would, van would evangelism be the work of the Lord? Listen to Jesus, Luke 19.10. The Son of Man, that would be Him, right? The Son of Man is come to seek and to save them that are lost. What was the work of the Lord? To seek and to save them that are lost. Jesus, what were you doing? What were you doing, Jesus, when you turned water into wine? Seeking and saving the lost. Jesus, what were you doing when you fed 5,000? Seeking and saving the lost. Jesus, what were you doing when you walked on water? Seeking and saving the lost. Jesus, what were you doing when you died on the cross? Seeking and saving the lost. That's his work. That's his work. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. So he's working the works of God who sent him. This is the work of God. I'm not saying evangelism is, is, is the, the one all, the catch all. That there's not anything else besides Sharing the word of God with someone else? I'm not saying that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But is sharing the word of God with someone else involved in doing the work? Absolutely. Absolutely. And have we gotten away from it in the Lord's church? Now you've got to answer that for yourself. You've got to answer that for yourself. But if we have, we need to get back to it. Yes. If we have, we need to get back to it. 
Maybe we just need to start with baby steps. So that's what we're encouraging ourselves to do. We're just going to start little. I'd rather start little and grow up than start big and fizzle out. How about you? And have you ever seen us do that? Try to start big and fizzle out. Let's just start little and grow up. I may be reading it all wrong, but in my estimation, this congregation has left the work of evangelism. We've left it to the professionals. We've left it to the missionaries. We give them money, let them do that. I don't have anything to do with that. Listen, it's your faith, right? It's your faith we're talking about here. It's my faith. It's my faith. That wouldn't be your faithful brother if I didn't say to you, hey, that kind of faith won't save us now. That kind of faith won't save us. And so we're asking you, let's just start together and work together to build one another up as we just get started. So on October the 5th, we're going to go out and we're going to knock doors. We're not asking for anything great. We're not asking for anything great. And maybe, just maybe, it can be with you like it is with, was with me. Uh, what was that, Friday afternoon? Friday afternoon, I said, I'm going to go and... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock the doors on the street. I had every intention of knocking every door on that street, on that, on that street. But the second door, the second door, someone answered. And I never left the second door. It's not a race. How many can we do? If you find someone and you, and you say something like this, you know, we pray for people. Is there anything we can pray for? And this man just began to pour out his heart to me. Please pray. He said, please pray. So you end up spending the rest of the afternoon. When you expected to knock 50 doors, you end up knocking two doors and staying at one. It's not a race. We don't expect you to preach them a gospel sermon. All we ask is that you go to the door. Have you, have you received this publication, House to House, Heart to Heart? Have you received it? Well, the answer is either going to be yes or no. If it's no, well, it'll be coming to your house again. Please look for it. Please, if it's yes, have you had a chance to read it? The answer is going to be either yes or no. Isn't it? See, it's going to be yes or no. Whatever it is. Here's our, here's our response. Here's our response. Well, we're the Christians who are sending that into your home. And we just wanted to come by. And let you know that we also have worship services at 9.30 and at 10.15 and at 5 o'clock on Sundays and again at 7 o'clock on Sundays. Oh, and we have a meal at 6 o'clock on Wednesday evening. Come join us for the meal first. Now, can anyone do that? Oh, before we leave, is there anything we could pray for you regarding? 
More times than not, they're going to say yes. Well, I'd like to know who I'm praying for. God already knows, but could I have your name? You already know the address. Don't you? You already know the address. But folks, you can go back and you can visit those folks again and again and again. Will they all become Christians? I doubt it. I don't know. It's not up to me. I planted. Apollos watered. Who gives the increase? God gives the increase. That's all we're asking you to do. That's all we're asking you to do. We're organizing the teams now. We just need to know you're going to be one of them. You're going to be on one of those teams. So there's a sheet out on the back. If you've already signed up, don't, don't sign up again. There's a new sheet out there. But sign up. Let us know. Hey, I have faith. You can count on me. I'll be here on October the 5th. It won't kill anyone. It won't kill anyone. And if it did, if it did, would that be the worst thing? To die for the cause of Christ? I don't think so. So we're asking you to sign up. Okay, we haven't talked about becoming a Christian in, just in a sense, but yes, we have. Yes, we have. If you're here this morning, if you're here and you're a believer, you have faith. It's time to put that faith into action now. It's not enough to just say, I'm a believer. Now put that faith in the act, into action. Repent of those sins. Confess with your mouth before men your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. We'll help you with that this morning. If you're not a Christian, let us know. As our brothers and sisters in Christ, let us know if we can help you in any way. You come to the front, do that as together we stand and sing.